This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey guys, it's Dr. Vic here, and before we get into the episode, I wanted to share that my new book has been complete, and it's going to be released in May 2022, and right now in the show notes, I have a link where you can join my VIP list. This gets you updated on the book, video concepts of what I'll be sharing on the book, but more importantly, you're going to get a massive discount within a certain period of time that's only going to be shared with those who are on the VIP list. And plus, I'm going to give a ton of freebies and bonuses on top of that for being a part of it. So click on the show notes below. Look at the show notes. Click on the link and uh, join the list. Mindful experiment as each week we dive deep into having a conversation with someone to share something along the mindset life world to help us level up, raise our consciousness, awareness, and to help us experience more of what we desire. This week I had the distinct honor and pleasure of interviewing Robert Overweg, and he is the adaptability expert. And let me tell you, I love the name there because as a chiropractor, that's all I do is help the body and the brain adapt to one's environment and itself. I do that through the via the adjustment. I do that in my mindset world where I coach people and help people to adapt and thrive in any situation that shows up no matter what. So I knew this was going to be a great interview and I'm really excited to share this one with you guys. Robert is the founder of the Adaptable Mindset Program. He and his team empower people to develop their own adaptable mindset to develop mental flexibility, learn how to create mental space and to find new possibilities. In our rapidly changing world, we keep feeling the impact of unpredictable events to which we have to adapt. Robert teaches how to adaptability is about empowerment and finding new perspectives. The Adaptable Mindset Program has been applied at several Fortune 500 companies like Chanel, Heineken, multiple SMEs, and innovative schools. They have also supported over 1,000 students and solopreneurs with their own online program. Robert has over a decade of experience in innovation and digital transformation with clients like Vodafone, Liberty Global, eBay, Heineken, and a variety of startups and innovative schools. He is also an artist and exhibited at the Century. Pomodo and the Media Biennial in Seoul. As a frequent speaker at the Institute like MIT, SXS, <clears throat> Southwest South, 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 SXSW, and the European Commission, Robert speaks about ways they use the tech to work smarter and add value to the world. It's Robert's goal to empower people to live a life full of possibilities. So, with no further ado, let's dive into those endless possibilities in this wonderful conversation I had with Robert Overweg. Robert, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, Vic. Uh, I'm excited to have you on. Uh, just talking to you prior to jumping on here has been a lot of fun. So I know for you listeners, sit down and relax. This is going to be a good one. Um, Robert, I love the whole thing about adaptability expert. I mean, I think in life you you, you have to, you know, uh, 
was it Charles Darwin? Everyone always said the strong, the fit, strongest, the, the 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 strongest will. The, I forgot, I'm messing up my quote now. The survival of the fittest, right? The survival of the strongest. And he always got coined that term. But if you ever, I went and looked, and I was like, it doesn't make sense. And I read his stuff, and he actually said it's not the strongest or the, the most, the fastest or whatever that survives, but the one who can adapt. And so excited to have you here. Let's dive in. So tell me, how did you get into the work you're doing? What what kind of led you? to do in the work you do today? Yeah, so in my early days, I uh, sort of always did creative things. I was always exploring, creating art, making designs, and I was interested in, in technology as well. So you could say I had like a very broad interest. Um, and I think part of that was because I did not want to be labeled and I did not want to be put in a box, but it was also just following my curiosity. and. Um, like a few of the things that I did on the journey to where I'm currently at now and how we're now currently helping people to become adaptable is you now I started my own design company at the, at the age of 17, you know, completely naive. I think I had all the skills available, which of course I didn't, but actually I think naivety is, is kind of a good skill to have actually, because, you know, you just try out stuff and you, and you just, you just go forward. Uh, but then I noticed that I needed more skills. So I went to the art academy. Actually, right before the art academy, I thought I needed like uh, what you would, would call a proper education, like management, economics and law. That's what I did before. But it was like completely not a right fit and it was not my path. So I went to the art academy. Um, when I was at the art academy, I started to do again uh, weird stuff. So I started to take photographs in computer games back in 2017. Uh, actually, it was 2007. Uh, and at school, people had no idea what I was doing because I was being taught to be like an artist and in graphic design. And that was supposed to be my path. But I was like, yeah, but I like doing this. So I'm going to keep on doing this. And uh, eventually, like uh, five to eight years later, my work got picked up by uh, a lot of museums worldwide, even the Centre Pompidou, you know, which is quite a prestigious museum. Um, so I always just kept following my own path, although you know, that can be, uh, can be difficult. But at the Art Academy, I learned about design, conceptual thinking, and that got requested more and more by the world just for me. Uh, so more and more companies started knocking at my door and I started to help them in their transformations. And I helped, um, I still help actually large companies like Vodafone, Heineken, eBay in their digital transformation, in creating the right environment for people to, to flourish, to, to, to foster innovation, those sort of things. But, and then we come to what we're doing now, is that, you know, I was always just exploring, you know, following curiosity, flowing through life. And a lot of my, my buddies were doing the same and my team was doing the same, but in these large organizations. And also in the schools that we work with, like there's a lot of stagnation, a lot of, I don't want, you could always almost call it like emptiness. You know, a lot of people felt sort of stuck in positions that they didn't want to be, was very uninspired. And if you look at the data now, for an example, in the US, only 17% of the people get meaning out of their work. And, you know, people feel too stressed and, you know, their minds are hypnotized by social media and news, which brings them in their filter bubbles and excessive negativity. And so there are a lot of things in our society which sort of, yeah, narrow our view, which don't give us meaning, which in a sense numb us down a bit. And... I saw a lot of unhappiness and that made me unhappy. So I figured, what can we together do to change this? 
And then, you know, when you zoom out, you see how we educate ourselves, our children, how our lives are set up, how we work, you know, how we take care of our consciousness, our mind, our body. That all influences our thinking, our perspectives and our possibilities. So we thought, okay, we need to change this. We need to improve this. So as, as, as we now look at the world, you know, a lot of it seems to be almost on fire. We might need a massive reinvention, but in a very fun and playful way and in a very supportive way as well. So I you know we started to uh, to build, to experiment. And, you know, a lot of people long for adaptability, long for, yeah, moving on and doing new things. So I think for like two or three years, we uh, started uh, working on this project, um, helping people in groups, helping people online, helping companies, and just trying to see, you know, what has worked for the last couple of thousand years and how can we apply it in this current state? And I think actually I can also learn a lot from you, Vic, you know, the kind of stuff that you do. Um, and it's just bringing in all the, the possible things that can help open up people, help create mental space, um, help give them fresh perspectives. And um, yeah, where we are at now, we've got a beautiful online program, creates a neural reset. We do group sessions. We help schools, organizations, creating the right environment. And uh, yeah, in a sense, we empower people now to be people again, you know, live life again, be human again. And um, yeah, that's where, where we are at now. And I think it's, yeah, one of the most essential skills currently to have, to be able to adapt and have an adaptable mindset. I think it's just the most critical thing to teach people how to be human again. I think at least in America, for sure, it's one of those things where we're just so used to just getting indented, with, intenuated, or anyway, into routines, in other words, in that we're just constantly just doing living life like hedonic, the hedonic wheel, constantly over and over and over again. And, and the number, I'm not shocked at all when you said 17% of people get meaning out of their work. That is drastically low. That's a it's lot of depressed people. Right? It, it, I just sit there and go, if you, if for me, if I was doing something I wasn't passionate and found meaning beyond money with and so forth, I, I there's no point in me to be here. I mean, yeah, I can enjoy time with family and just, you know, do all those kinds of things. But I, I always have to have something. There always has to have a meaning to everything I do or else it's not going to be worth it. So 17%, that is drastically low. Yeah, and the, the global engagement with work is 20%. So 80% of people are disengaged with work and some are even so disengaged that they sabotage their, their workplace environment. So, and then, you know, if you look at the, the amount of stress people are under, you know, but if we are under severe stress, you know, your brain can get reduced to only having 20% left of capacity to work with. So it's not the fault of people that they, that they can't get out of the systems. It's, it's the, the, yeah, it's, um, it's the entire system together, which influences, uh, which influences us, uh, but you should not wait for the environment to change. Although the environment is very influential on you, you can change your surroundings. You know, you can make different decisions. And there's a lot of things you can do to empower yourself, to find these fresh perspectives, to take care of your mental health, to take care of your, your physical body and do all of these things. And in a fun and playful way, you know, you just need to find what works for you. I'm not going to say to people, hey, you need to start meditating. You need to start doing yoga or whatever. No, find what works for you. And yeah, and that's something that we can yeah, can do together in a sense. I love how you bring that up because there's so many times it's something that I, I always talk, I always share when I work with clients and I do group coaching and I always talk about how 
I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'm going to teach you how to think. And what that means is that you just said it right there. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you to do meditation or do yoga or this and that. You got to find what works for you. And that's that how process of understanding, like, I'm going to try things till I figure it out. Because you may not know what this may, you may go down this path and realize that this wasn't what I really needed. It was this that I really needed. And you had to go down that path in order to find the other one to really figure out what works for you. Yeah, 100%. What would you Uh, say? Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to say there was a while where I did, uh, like, almost in a religious way, I went to kickboxing like three to four times uh, a week. I was like a madman. At the same time, I did yoga and meditation. So, you know, uh, like whatever works for you to create that mental space to work on your body. And, you know, there are so many different fields that you can evolve yourself and learn to adapt. For example, if you do like strength training or these sort of things that when you strengthen your body, you know, you also strengthen your mind. So you uh, have less of, uh, of influence, of anxiety, of outside influences. So you can train yourself in almost any discipline as long as you're sort of aware and open to that that you and need that and that you structurally do that i love that so why is it that then some people have a hard time adapting and 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 just to life we can you can i mean i know that's a it's kind of a broad question because it could be adapting to uh business it could be adapting to relationships but just in general what 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 makes it harder or for people to do just to adapt to life yeah, I think the, the, the basic premise is that uh, change engenders fear, you know, because our brain wants to keep us safe and everything which, which comes to change, which might result into change, could also cause us harm. So our brain wants to protect us from that. So with new risky things, it can be, um, you know, decentralized autonomous organizations, can be NFTs, it can be AI, it can be, oh, no, that's scary, man. Uh, that's uh, no uh, that probably won't influence um, uh, my job or so you know you get all of these thoughts which are not really serving you so so we've got that that our brain wants to protect us and at the same time there's a lot of stuff in our society which just distracts us you know with our social media tiktok is now the number one website uh, used globally Um, i'm not really sure you know there's there's probably interesting stuff there and i'm a big fan of twitter youtube you know because there are these autonomous rebellious different thoughts different perspectives you can learn a lot but they also suck you in and these things are yeah they're like optimized slot machines and yeah if you're sort of stuck into these loops yeah then it's difficult um if your education has a has created more of um, a mindset of compliance you know, you don't learn auton- uh, autonomous thinking there. You don't learn critical thinking there. No, you need to learn the content that is provided to you, which is often already a little bit outdated, which you then need to reproduce. So you sort of lose, yeah, everywhere you lose gradually a bit of your of yourself. And if your work is, yeah, a little bit meaningless, and if you're not being listened to at work, oh, yeah, it, it numbs us down. And it makes it difficult to move, to adapt. So true in in, in, in in so many ways. And and yes, I, I appreciate you bringing up the, the, the virtual slot machine. I love that. Um, that whole dopamine response that we just seek, right? Especially if we're not, you know, 17% of people only getting meaning out of their work. That means 83% are looking for some sort of a dopamine response to give them that, that feeling good. And even if it's a short term, it's a sacrifice because you're sacrificing the long term from that. 
uh, maybe Facebook, maybe, you know, Instagram or TikTok nowadays. I think the average person gets on TikTok and watches, I don't know, I think it's 50 something minutes. It's crazy. On average, one yeah. time. Um, where I'm like 53 minutes on TikTok. I go, I'll, I'll, I do, I'm like, I, I like to be transparent. I'm like, I go on TikTok and watch people sharing. Like, I like doing construction stuff. So I like to learn some little tips and tricks here and there. Mm-hmm. And I'll put a timer, five minutes. It's all I get. And I just fly through videos as quick as I can. And then like after the five minutes, I'm like, done, let's move on. I got things to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't want to be like a slave to the algorithm, you know, because it keeps pulling you in more and more. So yeah, w- what you practice is just, uh, yeah, time box it. Or at least, so what I do is don't use it uh, early in the morning. No, mornings are always phone or flight mode uh, as long as possible. So I can develop my own conscious thoughts. Uh, I don't want to be lived by by news or media in the beginning. Don't want that to influence my work or life or thinking. Same with messages from other people. You know, uh, first, you know, create some space and then uh, move from there. I love that. Now, I know you were talking before. I love to dive into this. This is something that I I think I I know I'm going to love and I know the listeners will too. You talked about the six pillars. I think it was the six pillars of mindset, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, it was the six pillars of... Yeah, six uh, pillars for adaptability. That's what it was. Yes. Um, So do you mind diving in just what those six pillars are? Yeah, sure. So we've got six pillars. Uh, The first one is to get inspired again, you know, to connect again with your curiosity. Uh, you know, some people might already think, yeah, but Robert, my head is already overflowing, man. I can't, I can't uh, grasp that idea. Then you could start with first creating mental space. And then that's the second pillar. And the third pillar is to work on the physical body. So yoga, meditation, kickboxing, running, going into the forest, and also the physiological. Uh, it can also be playing music, dancing, all of these things. They have secondary uh, effects for you for your for your mental flexibility as well and also to create mental space uh, then we have the thinking models and with thinking models you can think of um, um, upgrade your vocabulary you know use different phrasing or words like uh, how might we how might we ch- uh, you know um, solve this issue or try it on for size and there are a few uh, others as well and then if you go through all of these things, like the, the inspiration, you know, connect again to art, philosophy, nature, you know, all of the things that have always pushed humanity forward, the mental space, the, the physical aspects, the thinking models. And then the fifth pillar is to create like a structure that supports you because it's not one-off inspiration. It's not one-off doing your exercise. It's, you, know, you need to have a formula for success that supports you in a structural way. And then the last one, which is, a little bit of um, maybe the odd one out, but we find it important to also be technological aware. You know, what is happening in the world? Uh, how are organizations moving? Maybe more to decentralized autonomous organizations. What is happening in the NFT space? What is happening in AI? Because you know, like we talked about earlier, Vic, you could think, oh, I'm going to be the greatest poet. Um, and then maybe an AI can create uh, your work, you know? So you should be aware or you could maybe even collaborate with an AI because I, for example, use a tool called Jarvis, which you can, uh, which you just throw a few sentences towards this AI and he spits out uh, a couple of paragraphs. So in a sense, you get like this uh, digital sparring body. So how to use, in a sense, technology for the betterment of humanity and for yourself. So these are yeah, the six pillars that all overlap each other. 
they all influence each other, but the basis is to be able to find fresh perspectives, to create openness and mental flexibility. I love that. And I love how you bring up the technology side of things, because I mean, technology, I think in the next five to 10 years is radically um, going to shift and change, especially with the the evolving of AI tech and um, the evolving of an acceptance of uh, blockchain, smart contracts, those kind of things um, catching on and um, getting more popular. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a massive shift, and it's. I think the adaptability is going to have to. We're going to have to learn how to adapt quicker and faster. These kind of things. So it's, I love how you brought up Jarvis. It's, you're actually like the fifth person I've heard talk about who uses it, mm. and uh, it's kind of cool how you can just put a couple things in and boom, it, it helps you out with it. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and you, and you could say, yeah, man, I want it in a, in a witty style, or I want it in a formal style. Uh, so yes, it's pretty dope. But to go into your point of uh, our world radically changing, you know, I see it with a lot of organizations. They can't keep up. You know, they can't keep up with the technological developments. And the people who work there, you know, they, they talk about learning on the job, but that doesn't happen. You know, everyone is always flooded with work, always in meetings. So I see a lot of issues and, and challenges there as well. Um, and then we have the, the metaverse upcoming where a lot of people can't keep up with, um, but it will influence jobs. Also the AI aspect, it will influence people's lives. And it is beneficial for everyone to be sort of aware of what it can do, because maybe we want to be a little bit more critical as well about the technological developments. And it's, I think it's also, it will be more and more difficult also to create mental space. You know, if you're always on our phones, if we're always in, in virtual worlds, then you do want to connect again to like the physical space, to nature, to each other and stuff like that. What's your viewpoint about the metaverse? And, you know, because we look at Facebook, you look at online and social media and it's this dopamine thing that constantly keeps us addicted to it and so much more, you know, and, or ways to make it easily more addict, uh, being addicted to it. And then we have the metaverse, right? And metaverse coming out and having your own virtual reality of creating someone who you're not and living a whole world of interacting with people that um, in an essence, uh, you know, it's like you're going to live a whole altered version of who you really are. Do you, I mean, I, I could see some cool things with it. I, I like the tech. I, I, uh, I do invest a little bit into it. I think it's going to be a huge component in many different ways. But then my mind's always looking at the other side too, going, now, wait a minute, this is going to probably... In my opinion, I think it'll be worse, but I'm just curious. You brought it up. I'd love to get your opinion on what you think about it. Okay. So uh, I started creating art, in a sense, in virtual spaces. Uh, you could call it now the metaverse. So I was taking photographs in computer games. Um, I think they can be an accelerator for, for creativity. Um, I think being a different persona online, either through an avatar or whatever, it can be helpful, you know, being able to take a distance from yourself, trying out different personas. Many, many big athletes also do that. You know, Tyson Fury, Gypsy King, Bronze Bomber. You know, um, if you're able to also see yourself as so someone, someone different, according to Robert Keegan, Chair Adult Development from Harvard, he says um, that is one of the best things you can do for personal growth, being able to take an objective distance from yourself. So maybe you can experiment more. But the negative thing here is um, if it's run by Facebook, 
you know, you, you, you're, you're all, all the things you're, you look at, your data, your mind, your, your soul is going to get harvested. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of that. I am a fan, though, of like an open source, open metaverse where we can all um, experiment, try out new things and do stuff like that. Yeah, I'm with you on that part. I mean, I agree. I, I guess I'm, my mind is thinking of Facebook doing it rather than having the open source of it because it is a different Facebook thing. Facebook is like, terrible. Oh, I hear yeah. you. Uh, we can go yeah, all day on that if one. You see what they've done now, you know, with society and uh, you know, um, with democracy and and their fact checking, <laughs> which turned out not to be fact checking. <laughs> uh, it's all very interesting. It's all very interesting. Yeah, it's one of those things where like I was almost going to get off the platform altogether last year. I was just because I was getting blocked, uh, you know, being a chiropractor, being in the holistic world, you know, all these different things. I was just I was sharing other science. Let's just say that against what the mainstream was sharing. And uh, and it was one of those things they kept like putting me in jail. They were threatening this. And I was just like, man, there's no I'm getting people aren't even it's funny i could put two different posts one could be about health related and stuff like that and i would i know how to write the word so that the algorithm doesn't the ai doesn't pick up on it but then at the same token i put another post and it'd be something you know nothing related to that and it'd be like wow look at all the views there and then look at none of the views here mm-hmm. and it got to that point but yeah it's one of those things where but you're bringing up something a great point that I wanted to hit on is that when you talked about objectively seeing yourself different, like having a break from you in a sense. And um, I do a lot of sensory deprivation tanks, and a lot of those have VR technology where you can go into, um, you know, put the whole thing on your head and strap it on and so forth, and they put sound with it. And they will talk about how you disconnect so much from yourself that you people, they'll say people will go through that experience and they don't fear death anymore. That they don't fear, they like they totally have disconnected from themselves and then they come back. And I think there's there's some power behind that to some degree to what it can do to shift mindsets, to shift us in different realms, but also see us as um, an element that, you know, like we're not just this person that we are in this physical body, that there's more that goes on beyond all this. Yeah, that's 100% helpful. I, I actually had a similar experience like that. Um, but being disconnected from your your own, yeah, what you perceive to be your identity also allows you to have, in a sense, less fear. I look at things in a, in a different perspective, more holistic, more see how everything is just, yeah, it sounds a bit weird, but connected. Um, yeah, and it's just really helpful. And, but also to do that more often in life. So we, I'm now trying to, um, to develop like, a, like an exercise which is about, you know, when you, when you feel like shit, can happen, right? Even if you take all the precautions, even if you uh, do all the exercises, and, uh, but still you're like ang- angry and, and your mind is clouded and you're like, oh shit, I can't get out of this. What is happening, you know? And it sticks for like three hours. You're like, oh, wow, entire world sucks. Um, so I started to scan the environment, like... Um, it almost looks like a 3D scan. So I started to look at the walls. I started to look at the closet, books in there. And then, hey, I'm there as well. Hey, that's funny. I see myself standing there. And then instantly, when, you, when you're there, you're sort of disconnected to, from your anger. And then you're like free again. Like, what was I thinking? And then like these sort of things are yeah, very beneficial. And there are a lot of things that actually help you to get into like these different mind spaces. 
um, yeah, that allow you again uh, freedom of of thought, uh, mental flexibility, and space. As I say, and that with the then you see these kind of things helping individuals adapt better to different life situations and be able to see things from a different perspective and those kind of things. Hundred percent, yeah. Just like it's uh, easier to give a friend advice than for you to give yourself advice and to follow it up, right? Because with a friend, you know, you are not completely overwhelmed with emotions like he is or she is um, so if you take the position of that friend if you look at yourself just like you look at your friend and then you're objectively more able to to give yourself advice and it's easier to to follow follow that up that's also why i brought up the you know the the athletes like tyson fury the boxer but all athletes have a nickname you know, because if you fail you know it's okay man it's just one persona it's one iteration of me that failed i'm not defined by that you know i can change i can be a different persona and you know once you're able to switch in that i think that is uh, that is very beneficial i love when you bring up the athletes because there's so many that we can talk about but when you said athletes i thought of someone who's outside the athletic world but in america he's seen a certain way and that's gordon ramsay um a lot of times when I talk about Gordon Ramsay, everyone's like, oh, he's that guy who likes to swear a lot and this and that. I'm like, that's not who he is, actually. And I go, at least uh, he had, maybe he has a different persona in Europe and other areas. But I go when I watch him in like London shows and if I watch him in like he was a show in, in India, um, you see a, a like a different version of him. But then when you any show in America, he's always got that uh, brutal, <laughs> harsh side of him that they they use as a persona but i'm like that's not really who he is and it's and i think that's the same thing with like athletes or even like wrestlers uh wwe type wrestlers they have a persona that they have to live to even actresses and actors right you get like robert downey jr everybody thinks of him as iron man um but that's not who he really is but everyone has sees him that way but then he's someone else and yet there's there's a different version of who he really is that kind of makes sense where i'm going with that yeah, 100%. And, and if we can pull on a thread of the, the superhero, it's also interesting. If you look at, for example, Iron Man or Robert Downey Jr. So if you're stuck in a rut, you know, again, you feel shit or you feel like, um, you know, life hasn't dealt you the cards that you want. And, um, you know, what do, what do we often do? And, you know, we could grab our phone or do things which are not really beneficial for us. But if you could, for one hour think hey man i am like superman iron man like imagine that you're you're that guy and what would he or she do probably not scroll your phone right for an hour so yeah just have these thought experiments and you can have these thought experiments as well uh, to think of um you know what would i do if i would be elon musk what would i do if i would be um the, the the founder of shopify you know just to train your brain to take on these different perspectives and to create more of this, uh, this fluidity. I love how you bring that up. There's so much we can do and there's a whole down, whole rabbit hole of that stuff diving into of how we can just shift our consciousness and try to tap in to some of these people. If you were the head of the person for Shopify or Elon Musk or those types of individuals, just getting a fragment of their consciousness and being able to tap into that is a, is a game changer. Well, how about, you know, I'm big on, uh, I talk a lot about calming and staying interconnected with oneself. And, and I I truly believe to adapt, you have to stay focused within and because there's a lot of distractions in life, right? There's, we're over and done, overwhelmed with a lot of information. And I want to ask a question on that too, a little bit. 
Um, but or with all the information that we deal with, how do we keep our mind calm from all the massive stimulation and, and distractions that we have in the world? Yeah. Um, so a few things that uh, we always recommend is uh, turn off all your uh, all your notifications. You know, you don't want to, uh, to constantly be distracted. So you go from reactive living to active living. So you're more conscious, you're more in the space. Uh, get rid of the apps that don't serve you. You can schedule time like you're doing, Vic, to, uh, to use uh, certain apps, even work apps. You know, all of the notifications, all of the things which uh, appear in your Slack or in your Teams, you can tell your boss that you'll be 500% more uh, effect effective if you can get into flow state. Sounds a bit weird, but it's researched by McKinsey. They did it on executives for multiple years. So all of the disruptions that we have don't necessarily, uh, don't necessarily serve us. Uh, also curate your streams. So... I sometimes say Mary Kondo your streams because it sounds a bit more funny, but you know, get rid of the shit, get rid of the crap. So, um, so connect more to the inspiring stuff so that when you get these stimuli, they are inspiring and they give you different perspectives. So uh, a little bit less of the, the negative things, more of the things that you vibrate with. And then also you can go into nature. You can exercise strength training. You can run, you can walk. Um, so these are more of the instant things, like the, the things I just mentioned. So when you feel that your mind is overloaded, just go for a 30 minute walk. No, no like uh, with your phone off or a flight mode, no podcast, no music, just let your mind wander a bit. And what also helps to create mental space is to journal a bit, you know, write down what you learned from the day or at the end of the day. Uh, what I like to do always is, um, I do this with my girlfriend we share three things that we were grateful for that day that helps a lot to also to change the perspective on life even you know when you have shitty days uh, if you train yourself to be conscious to be aware of the good things your mindset will change it's a proven system right it, it, it this works i love that that that's just uh those are some great pieces of advice. And one of the things I love that I should, you, you did share two things that I, I always talk a lot about. I always tell my clients, like, if they're feeling overwhelmed, just go in nature, just connect and go in nature. It has an energy. It will rebalance you, hug a tree for a minute. They think I'm crazy sometimes, but then they come back going, wow, that actually worked. Um, but the one thing I, I think is huge to do is always being able to just be uh, gratitude, be grateful, you know, nothing, um, Nothing's ever, we, we don't truly deserve anything per se, but when we do get what we've been working towards and we do get what we desire and have to be grateful or just be grateful for the little things, it really creates more of the humanness out of us. I really believe that will, that takes, that, that allows for us to be more human. Would you agree to that? hundred percent, hundred percent that the, the being grateful and being, and the gratitude is, um, yeah, core thing for, for happiness. At the same time, it's also possible to reframe how you feel about things that make you uncertain, anxious, etc. cetera. Um, but you need to have like a, a larger goal, right? A thing that you, that you want to accomplish. So it can be like a dissertation, can be create your own app, launch your business or whatever. But uh, like the larger goal can feel, or maybe you want to run a marathon, but the larger goal can feel like, so so gigantic that um yeah it can be difficult to start with it can be difficult to continue with but you can reprogram your mind as well to be okay with um the the uncertainty the anxiety and all the stress that you get from taking the little steps 
so how that works is um, once you start with um, one step uh, getting one step closer towards that ac activity celebrate that as well just be grateful for that you're taking one step towards that goal and after a while you know you'll rewire your brain to think that all of these things that earlier gave you anxiety and uncertainty ambiguity are actually good things like you you yeah you'll, you'll be better able to flow through these sort of experiences and that's also what we expose people to during our program. You now we expose people to also things which makes you a bit uh, ambiguous. You don't really understand, but you, uh, it's very beneficial if you train your mind to be okay with uncertainty, uh, because then you will be more open for change, which is very beneficial for you know your personal life, your professional life, and even your uh, you know yeah, in your relationships. I love that, and it's and you bring up some things too, like just. And it makes it easier when you do it, you don't know, doing the little things, it, it helps to connect to the bigger thing, right? Because the mind, um, when we want to create, let's say a big change, we want to make a shift in your life in some way, shape or form, it could be anything. And if it's too much for your mind to comprehend, um, it shuts down, your nervous system will literally shut down and say, yep, we're, we're done, we're, not, we're overwhelmed, not going to happen. But just doing those little things over time can help to develop and, and to adapt and shift and change to get to where you want to get to. Yeah, 100%. So one question I do want to ask you is, you know, why is it that, you know, I look at certain systems of what we operate with, and I'm, I'm, I think we're in a time and place where there is a whole new shift coming in, and there's old systems trying to stick around, but they need to go. We're trying to evolve into new things. And one thing that I, I do a lot in my coaching and, and working with people is I teach them how to work less, work smarter, not harder. I share with them how they can get more done in less time, and they don't have to work as long as they need to. Um, and I know that's one thing I want to ask. Why, why do you feel that you know these 40-hour work weeks and, and so forth are really like more something from the past? It's like a relic. I love how this one thing says here. It says relic of the past. Love that. Just pick your brain on that. Uh, that's, an, that's an archaic model. It uh, stems from the Henry Ford era, where most of us were factory workers. Um, and we had 40 hours, so we also had a few hours to rest and a few days to spend the money that we made in the factory. But I think current day society is a bit different. You know, most of us are knowledge workers. Uh, we need to take care of our mental space. Uh, we need to take care of inspiration. We need to take care of our families. So it should be way more balanced. So it should have way more of doing nothing, like you say, of leisure, of relaxing. And if you look at, for an example, uh, Thomas, a Thomas Edison, he said that uh, he was just being around. You know, he was just being, gave him uh, the ability to pick ideas. He, he called it, he described it in a sense from the universe. Um, David Lynch you know, the, the famous director, he talks about um, taking silence, taking free space to catch the big fish. And I think if you're always busy, if you're always doing things, if you're always, you know, from jumping from one thing to the other, to the other, then you get more superficial thoughts and you get more anxiety, you know, shorter breath. Of, <gasps> and you're always, and you can't get like the, the it's let's say differently it's more difficult to take the larger steps so yeah like doing nothing reflecting is very beneficial and indeed technology can help with that you know uh, because you can speed up your work you can have an ai writing assistant you can uh, make money in different ways 
Um, so yeah, 100% agree with you. And I love how you bring up the whole concept of rest too, because too many times we try to treat our mind and the mental capacity, what we have like a muscle and everyone's like, oh, it's like a muscle. We just got to keep working it, you know, this and so forth. And out of all the peak performance books I've read, the research and even my own understanding of neurology and neuroscience, it's literally more rest is actually better for us. More rest and taking time and taking breaks is actually something more that because when we let our brain just take it like we can crank away for a certain period of time and research shows based on the best research right now, max capacity for an individual is anywhere from a 30 minute to an hour and a half to about almost two hours where they can do something at their max capacity being at the best, but then you have to take a break and reset. And let your brain calm down, let it reset, disconnect, and then come back again. And then you can go back to that and go at it again for another half hour to two hours. And then you need to go ahead and take another break and reset and break down. And I think what you're sharing in, in what work, work, the work week, you know, that kind of stuff is we don't need to do that anymore. And I think um, Tim Ferriss was one who kind of like pioneered about like looking at things from a different perspective with the four hour work week. And just being able to say, we don't have to work as hard, just depend. And that was a little different, but because he talked about like, well, you can, what do you want to make per hour rather than what you make per year? Um, and those kind of concepts. But I think this is something that, you know, do you see we're shifting and adapting to the new model or is it still this kind of like holding on 40, 60 hour work weeks, those kind of things? I think it's even worse if, if we look at corporate organizations. Well, you like, some work even more than 40 hours at least it can be normal like you have a shift from uh, from nine till five and then you've got a shift again from uh, from six or seven till nine which is um, pretty intense but you do see companies now changing you know but it is often uh, founder-led companies uh, people who have some balls and people who have empathy so these founders say hey we're going to try this for our work week and uh, I, saw, I saw some data of this um, pretty um, scale up, you could call it. I think they do like three or four billion in revenue. And um, uh, the way they were, they were more creative, uh, people felt they had better mental well being, and they just got a lot of the crap, you know, a lot of the, the, the not necessary meetings. We did similar things with Heineken. Oh, people said they were overflowing in their work. So we, we sat down with groups and said, okay. Uh, what do we all want in life? You know, how how do you want to, uh, how would you create your ideal life? Oh, it would look something like this. And then once people started to um, speak up about what they wanted with each other, they all started to see the same pattern. Oh, we all want the same thing. We all want not infinite amount of meetings. You know, we also want time for brain space. So now Wednesday, we have no meetings. So it is possible create, to create this change. Uh, you need to take a step forward and discuss it with other people to create like, yeah, these more, yeah, these environments where we can all flourish a bit better. I love that brother. Couldn't agree with you more on that in so many different ways. Um, I feel like Robert, I could talk to you all day long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same here. But you know, what are some for the listeners? How can they like connect with you, find you and, and see what you're up to the work you're doing and all the amazing stuff. Yeah, they can go to uh, adaptablemindset.com. There are a few um, free masterclasses on there, for example, how to create mental space and how to filter the noise. Uh, there's completely written out how to develop adaptability. There's an online program that people can follow that they can do individually. Uh, that will surely inspire them. I can, I can promise you that. 
and um, yeah, there's way more stuff there. Just explore there. We have Instagram as well, and but yeah, I'd, I'd rather not be on those uh, kind of um, portals. Love it. Well, Robert, I appreciate you for all the work you're doing, all the work on adaptability. You're helping humanity thrive rather than survive and allowing us, allowing to just, you know, understand how to be fluid throughout the everlasting changes that life brings to us. Well put, Vic. Thanks. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.